Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to be talking a little about soybean diseases, but many of the things we're going to discuss today impact a lot of different crops. So even if you don't raise soybeans, this show is still for you. We're going to be talking a lot about fungicides and different diseases that can show up. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything else that's going on on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren will be joining us here in just a little bit. I, I guess I just wanted to start the show today talking about this soybean disease issue. And I, I really wanted to focus on a couple of things to start the show off. First of all, it definitely depends when you're spraying a fungicide on what disease you have. And so today we're, we're going to talk about all different soybean diseases, whether it is Pythium, Phytophthora, Rhizoctonia in the beginning. It's, uh, let's say it's, uh, well, the worst one I think personally is Sclerotinia white mold, or it's some other disease that quite frankly, we don't have a lot of options for. Like, let's say it's bacterial blight or some some type of bacterial disease. So anyway, we're going to get to all of that. But I, I, I wanted to start with sclerotinia white mold because, like, like I was saying, in my opinion, that's the worst disease you can possibly get. Now, you may argue with that and say, oh, it's Pythium or Phytophthora or whatever. But here's why I'm pretty passionate about this sclerotinia white mold thing. Number one, it affects a lot of different crops. So I mean, almost, well, I shouldn't say almost every, many different broadleaf crops. So whether we're talking sunflowers, canola, dry beans, or today's topic, soybeans, this can be completely devastating. So reason number two, when I I am so passionate, or why I'm so passionate about sclerotinia white mold is because we have literally lost 100% of our yield on some of our acres in the past on our farm. The the worst we've ever had it was we were going along, I think this was 2017, I don't remember the year for sure, but I think it was 2017. So we're going along harvesting a field in this very section where we're doing the Ag PhD radio show today, and we were harvesting 90 bushel beans. And I was in I was in the office, I don't remember if I was doing the radio show at the time, but I see this stuff coming through on the combines that the guys are running, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. We're going to have the best yield we've ever had on a full field. Because the guys were hitting 100 on a regular basis. We're averaging 90. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is our first field that went 75 bushels to the acre on average, like, I don't know, 12 or more years ago. And so I thought, this is, we're set up. This is amazing. And all of a sudden, the combine goes like 30, 10, 0. I go, hmm, are they just turning around on the ends? Or, you know, did something happen here? What's going on? Go out there. Uh, no, it's it's white mold. It's really bad. Really bad. <laughs> so since then, we have taken many steps. So this doesn't happen again. And that's that's part of what I want to talk to you about today, too, is when we're discussing soybean diseases, or quite frankly, diseases in any crop, there are so many factors that go into it. And they will often say, you have to have the right weather. You have to have the pathogen. You have to have a susceptible variety, regardless of the crop that it is or the disease it is. And I get all that. But there are still many more things that, are, that interact here. For example, 
One thing that we found out with sclerotinia white mold is if you have really good manganese levels in your soil, well, you know what? You have less sclerotinia white mold. I didn't know that, but the reason why we found that out is we were working with a farmer who'd come to one of our soils clinics, realized he was way low on manganese, and just like we always tell people, hey, just try stuff out on a small scale before you go spending all kinds of money on, you know, on your whole farm or anything else. So he did a half field, split the field. Well, where he put the manganese on, he had a lot more yield because he didn't have any white mold. <laughs> on the half, he didn't put manganese out. He had white mold. And so if you'd have told me that before, I'd be like, ah, I don't know if that's really true. Well, when you see it, in the field, you go, okay, well, I guess there is something going on here. So anyway, where I'm going with this is don't just think that, oh, I'm just going to use a fungicide and that's going to solve all my problems. I've, I've now fixed everything. This is the reason why we're talking about this this fall. Because you might say, well, wait a second. Why do I need to know anything about soybean diseases today? I'm still harvesting or I'm doing field work or fertility or whatever for next year. I got a long time before I even need to think about foliar fungicide and yeah I still have quite a while too before I even need to think about seed treatment fungicide yeah I get that but for example like with sclerotinia white mold you could put contans out literally right now today and it's a fungus that will eat the sclerotia it's awesome it's a biological natural product and I mean so safety is great and all that kind of stuff but it'll help your help you on your disease for next year. Well, that's something you could do right now this fall. Same thing with fertility. I mean, you can do that right now. So if you don't, if you haven't been pulling soil tests and look at you, looking at your soil tests and seeing where your deficiencies are, look at that because it's just like you or me as human beings. If we don't eat right and all of a sudden we find ourselves deficient in a few vitamins or like with the plant, think about it as deficient in a few nutrients. Like let's say you're short on potassium, which we very commonly see in these soil tests. Well, you know what's going to happen? You're much more likely to get disease. So we want you to address as many things as possible in advance. And these are what we call cultural practices too. When it's fertility or let's say it's drainage and you've got a drainage issue. Well, I'll promise you if you have a drainage issue you're much more likely to get disease way more likely we saw so many more diseases on our farm before we fixed the drainage issues well now that we've taken care of that not only do we have a healthier soil we have healthier plants so it all goes together and so very often people will send us emails write us letters whatever and say oh you guys only talk about these chemical treatments it's like no i mean almost I mean, pretty much every day we're talking about all the cultural practices you can do. We don't want you to have to use a fungicide. We don't want you to have to do any of these extra steps. That's kind of the last resort. Fix everything else you can first, and hopefully you've got such a tremendously healthy plant, you're in great shape moving forward. So we'll talk soybean diseases on the show today. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and our topic is soybean diseases. But here we are, right in the middle of harvest and lots of stuff going on in the field. So if you've got an agronomic question that's not about soybean diseases, that's fine. Our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head to those phone lines. Get Jim in South Dakota with us right now. How's it going, Jim? This is Darren, isn't it? You're back. Yeah, and I tell you what, Jim, you can't ask for a better October. I think the record high in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 77 on Halloween, and here we are in shirt sleeves outside working. It's fantastic. Oh, beautiful. I was just out trying to fix a, a derecho open front cattle barn, the derecho. Maybe I'm not saying that right, but on the 12th of May, took out, and I'm getting time here, got done combining, and had a decent crop, really happy, but... It brings it up the the cornstalk bales, guys. Is, okay. is uh, Brian there too, Darren? Oh, he is. Uh, but okay, you know that's fine. Here, I like to take these calls, Jim. I like to ask the questions and see what's going on. And then sometimes Brian will jump in and he's just smiling over there, just waiting for me to stop talking. But <laughs> which may not happen. This is my shot to talk, Jim. You know that. Well, here's yeah, my well, question: How much rain have you got on those cornstalks? And well, the reason I asked that, they, they talk about potassium flushing out of these stocks. Well, you guys just haven't had a whole lot of rain all year. Forty hundredths we got, I think, Thursday night here by Parker, South Dakota. Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday. So it was it not a lot. No. Uh-uh. Set, settled the dust yeah, for an yeah. hour or two anyway. Yes. And, and the question is, how much how much fertilizer? I, I've got your book open, page 17, from the Neil Kinsey uh, nutrition soil clinic. Okay. And I was digging through it last night wondering, cause a friend asked me what, what a guy should charge. And you know, there's a lot of people don't have livestock anymore. And the ones that do, I mean, you have to reach an equitable balance and what are you taking out? Um, I've read some studies online with university of Nebraska, different stuff. And then you guys always say how much carbon, which I understand it's right. How much carbon is tied up with those stocks? 
and nobody ever really can tell you how much extra N it takes to digest that carbon. If I'm saying that right, I think carbon is right. So yeah. you know, uh, but, to digest the heavy trash. Yeah, but but so here, here yeah. So so basically, you want to know how many nutrients are in there. And but let me first address this. Well, it's going to tie up some nitrogen. Yeah, it will in the short term, but in the long term, that nitrogen will come back. So it's not like that nitrogen's disappearing. So I don't I don't view that as oh it's a gain because you don't have the the carbon out there that's going to tie up your nitrogen. Now in the short term is it a gain? Yes. In the long term is it a gain? No. So anyway, the only thing I would really care about is how many nutrients are leaving the field and the only way to know is to test it. So we have lots of charts that will tell you I'm not going to say exactly, but really really close how much it takes to produce the grain and to produce the stover, but we don't know necessarily what's left in the stover because we don't know how much is already flushed out of the plant. It varies a lot from year to year and and from even rainfall to rainfall. So the more rain you get, the more potassium flushes out of there, and potassium is the number one thing that will be in that for a nutrient that will be in that residue. So, yeah, I, I mean, and I... So, yes, you can find some charts out there that will give you a really rough range, but it's really rough. So if you want to okay. know pretty close what's in there, then you just grind up a little bit of your uh, stocks, take a sample, and send it in for analysis, and then have a lab tell you. Because we need to – also, you're going to be dropping, I imagine, your um, your organic matter, which is 20 to 30 uh, pounds of – and usually uh, – I mean, eventually – you can get less on if you keep taking the stocks, right? Um, you'll, you, you will a little bit, but not a whole lot. The biggest thing is leaving the roots there. And, and mm -hmm. so you will be able to come really close to maintaining. So it's the same type of thing with cutting silage. You're going to, you're not going to completely maintain, but you're going to be really close to maintaining because you've left the root mass there. And keep in mind, the root mass is half of the stover as a general statement. Right. So half's above ground, half's below ground, and you don't even take all of the above ground stuff. Even with silage, you leave at least a little bit there. So, it, But anyway, yes, it's an excellent question that many farmers have, Jim. I wish we could give you an exact answer, but just for anybody listening, I mean, we do have a pretty exact answer on what it takes to produce that grain or stover. We just don't know exactly what's going to be left in there because it all depends on how much is broken down and flushed out of that and exactly which parts of that plant you end up bailing up, how much of it you bail up, and all that kind of thing. So, But I I agree with you in that a lot of people are anxious to get rid of some of that residue because they don't like the nitrogen tie-up and they don't like how it keeps their soil cold in the spring and a little yeah. wetter in the spring because some guys like to get started planting really early like us on our farm. So anything else we can do for yeah. you, Jim? Well, and I did read uh, University of Nebraska said that actually the, the year right after about a three-bushel-an-acre bump because they probably think it's because of the cleaner, clearer ground. Uh -huh. You're getting better planter, right. uh, you know, in the in the ground, and uh, yep. and that. So it, I and, and the other big, I guess, the big benefit if you put the manure back on it, you're in a win-win well, sure. because that's probably broken down by the cattle. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, absolutely. If you're getting manure back, it's just if you don't get the manure back, then no, I agree. You got to try to figure something for that because yeah. you are losing something as opposed to just taking the grain off. Right. And I didn't know how much and what it's worth. And okay, yep. well, right. no, no, I did find a little note about how you've told us that the uh, the corn gives you five times more root mass to build your soil up than yep. like soybeans. So it's yeah, corn. So I'm not too late. Yep. So 
yeah, corn does have roughly five times the root mass at its max compared to soybeans. So yeah, it's a it's a difference. Now it's not to say that soybeans are a bad crop or you can't build organic matter with soybeans because you can. It's just I mean they're two very different crops, corn and soybeans. Well, hey Jim, thanks for calling in. Thank Appreciate you guys. it. You bet. Bet. See you, Jim. Let's head over to Michigan. Got Adam Byrne on with us right now with FMC. We're talking soybean diseases today, Adam. I know uh, got talking about residue just a little bit there, and some of these diseases can carry over from year to year, and uh, we certainly see that uh, the case in continuous cropping. But even in our rotations, we see once you get some of these tough diseases, it's tough to fight them. That's right. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, it's, it's nice to be uh, be a part of your show today. You bet. So in soybeans, uh, what are some of the big things you're talking about now? Uh, getting a lot of guys at the end of the year kind of looking back, evaluating what happened this year and, and making plans for next year. Yeah, this year, you know, as you know, it was pretty dry across the region. So up here in Michigan, problems weren't too widespread. Uh, you know, you get in danger saying that because there's always pockets here and there. A farmer has a real problem. But SDS blew up uh, more so than in recent years. And I think that pattern held into Ohio and Indiana as well. Um, there were some septoria pockets out there and a few pockets of white mold up here in Michigan, but for the most part up here, that's what we were dealing with. Of course, as you drifted south, we had frog eye um, is always a, a problem to deal with as well. You know, one, str- or one thing that, that growers are always frustrated with is i got to be out in front of these diseases. And in terms of a planned program for disease control in soybeans, what do you recommend? Well, that's always tough because, you know, you got to be tracking the weather and the conditions, right? Every year is different. Um, the environment's a, a key part of these diseases. Obviously, some of these that are, are lingering in the residue, as you're talking about, crop rotations is an important aspect to, to use to manage for, you know, building up this pressure. Um, but every year is different. And so getting out there and really scouting and keeping tabs on your weather and, and your risks from previous years is important. Um, knowing your fields and then be be scouting and be really uh, you know on top of things yeah you want to be on top of things no doubt about it and for for us on our farm we're we're typically spraying fungicide if we don't have white mold we're we're looking at fungicide applications in that r2 r3 time period and we've even seen some benefit uh with a second pass on on years like you say when you just have a lot of pressure and a lot of opportunity for disease uh when you think about different modes of action there too that's another question that that we've got we're up against a break here adam have you got time to hang on through the next break absolutely yeah, we think about these modes of action. That's going to be something to take a look at. We're talking with Adam Byrne here with FMC, and uh, we're heading into commercial break here, but our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. We typically think about the, the strobilurin family of chemistry, the triazole family of chemistry. Now the SDHIs are becoming more popular too. Uh, pros and cons with each of those and certainly using multiple effective modes of action in anything that we're doing is a good thing. So we'll talk more with Adam Byrne with FMC right after this. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology. Enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Continuing the discussion here about soybean diseases, we have Adam Byrne with us with FMC. Adam, thanks for hanging on there through the break. I wanted to ask you about modes of action and just some of the different things you're seeing with, with some of the products you get to work with. Sure. Sure. As you know, as you led into before the break, you know, using multiple modes of action are, is really, uh, really a great idea, really recommended nowadays because it reduces your odds of disease resistance. Um, and, you know, with, with frog eye leaf spot, for example, we have QI resistance out there. There are strains that are resistant to these strobes. But if you have a product like Lucento that has both the SDHI and a DMI in there, you're not targeting that that strobe resistance, and you're getting great control of those um, those pockets of a resistant uh, frog eye. But the other advantage, um, if you're not using a strobe, a QI in there, is you may have less green stem or less greening of the material later when it comes down to harvest. So you know, Lucento is a great product. Of course, I'm 
you know, promoting one of our own top guard EQ is another one that does have a strobe. If you're looking to have some of people do want uh, occasionally to use a, a strobilurin in their, in their sprays, because uh, they do feel that there's a, a plant health benefit there. Yeah, and you're right. It's not necessarily about the disease control at that point because we aren't really counting on a lot out of those strobies. But, uh, exactly. but, but yeah, having having that in for plant health is is certainly one of those things a guy may consider. You know, when you, you think about some of the other things, you know, at the Ag PhD Field Day this summer, uh, there was talk about a Dastrio and and three mode of yeah. action product coming down the road. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on here in this this fungicide space. And of course, Zyway we've been using on our corn is that something that we're going to see Zyway moving into other crops too? Um, yeah, Zyway, we are looking at Zyway in soybeans. Um, of course, just like within corn, it's important that we, we keep it away from the seed directly. Um, any direct contact with seed is a problem. So Zyway is, we are looking at that um, in soybeans. Um, and you mentioned the Dastrio, which is another exciting product that we have on, on the horizon. It's a three-way mix for, for FMC, which we're, we're excited about bringing to the market as well. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting time. There's no doubt about it. A lot of development going on. We've we've certainly seen well with these prices now on soybeans. Uh, you give up a few bushels of yield. Uh, that's not a good thing. That's pretty costly, really quick. No, that's right. So you know, there's there's more incentive to be using these fungicides now than there say when the market was much much uh, depressed. So uh, those extra bushels there are important and. These, these fungicide applications, if, if well-timed and, uh, you know, targeting something, you know, that's causing some depression in yield are, are very beneficial. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're talking with Adam Byrne here with FMC about soybean diseases today. Uh, Adam, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. It's great discussion and, and certainly something as we're heading into planning for this next crop that, that everybody's going to have to take into mind. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good day. You bet. You as well. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Phil Krieg with us right now with Syngenta. Phil, how are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah, I got into a discussion this morning on SDS and talking to a grower, and he said, "You know, I was kind of complaining about some of these treatments for SDS, but man, the return on investment this year might have paid for my uh, SDS treatment for the next five years at least." That's correct. Um, a few years ago when we launched Saltro, you know, we were able to give growers a step change in their SDS uh, uh, control. And uh, we're picking up some help on some other diseases, but primarily, uh, you know, we're using the Saltro seed treatment for the control of sudden death syndrome. And, um, you know, we're getting some nematode uh, uh, control out of that as well. And so we're getting a lot of benefit there and a really good return on investment. Well, you know, there's a lot of things going on with that seed treatment market, too. And, and you mentioned the Saltro, uh, the new Viantis or Picarbutrizox. I hope I said that right. Uh, a lot of help on some of those seed and seedling diseases, too. Correct. Um, and you did. You did a very good pronunciation of Picarbutrizox. I had to go slow. I had to go slow, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when we look at, at bringing that to the market, here again, it's another step change in the control of Pythium uh, with a lot of help on Phytophthora as well. Uh, to this point, uh, the beauty of, of Viantis or PCBX is that uh, amongst all of the many strains of Pythium that can attack our seed, we have not found a strain yet 
that can overcome the strength of Viantis or PCBX. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. And and you look at some of the chemistries that we've been using for years and years. They're they're starting to fail. It's just there's no way around that. They just aren't quite as good as what they've been. And and certainly there's a lot of different folks out there playing with the rates. And well, let's let's try a higher rate, or or maybe it's let's try a lower rate and avoid uh, any issues with tanking tank mixes and those kinds of things and uh, i don't know at some point you just have to look for new products and and thank goodness you got a robust pipeline to to keep things coming very fortunate to be part of syngenta Uh, there are a lot of things in our pipeline uh, coming forward and to your comment about things not working as well as they used to uh, the thing that we always want to look at is how has farming changed right we um, farm with a lot of residue in the top three, four inches of our soil profile now. We are definitely pushing uh, for the highest yields that we can get and uh, planting earlier as well. And so as we look at these seed treatments and these fungicide products, we have to always be bringing them to the next level to not only meet the changes in the way we farm, but how those farming practices change our disease spectrum that we need to be uh, uh, controlling to, to push for those extra bushels. One, one thing that we get into here a little bit earlier is, is modes of action and, and different things coming in. Certainly Syngenta has been at the forefront bringing new SDHIs out and, and leading with three-way combination products. And as we get into many of the foliar diseases, that seems to really make a difference. There, there's been a really nice improvement and an uptick versus some of the older products there on the market. Uh, talk to us about what you're seeing with, with SDHIs and adding them into the mix. Our first SDHI that we had experience with, of course, was Salatinol, which uh, we added to Quilt Excel and made Trivapro. And what we saw that product bring was a broader spectrum of diseases and a longer length of control. Then go one step farther when uh, a Depidin technology uh, was released just a few years ago, we saw a very broad spectrum use of that product all the way from the Saltro seed treatment all the way up into products like Miravis Neo, Miravis Top, and, and, uh, and others for foliar diseases. The SDHIs have brought great uh, extended residual control uh, into that fungicide market. In other words, when we look at, say, for instance, Trivapro, Miravis Neo, Miravis Top, Compared to the old two-way strobilurin slash triazole products that, uh, such as Quilt Excel that we used, you know, uh, to, you know, ten years ago, pretty commonly, what we see is a longer length of control. We see more consistent positive results and a broader disease spectrum controlled. Uh, we, as we go through each and every growing season, we never really know what disease we're going to be fighting uh, on any given year. And so by bringing these three-way products to the market, 
we're we're covering all the bases so much better than what we used to with just a scrobillion slice triazole type product. That's a great way to put it, Phil. We don't know what disease we're going to have, and we got to treat ahead of time. I mean, you look at seed treatment, you don't know for sure it's going to be a bad SDS year, but if you don't put the seltra on the seed treatment, good luck. <laughs> That's your one shot at this. And same with some of these foliar diseases. If you don't get out there ahead of time, it's where we talk a lot about getting out there in those early reproductive stages to protect that soybean in its vulnerable time of the year and growth stages, uh, you're too late if you see disease showing up. Phil Krieg here with Syngenta. Thank you so much, Phil. Really appreciate all the info. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. Yeah, the topic here today is soybean diseases. If you've got questions on that or any agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking soybean diseases. Just to wrap things up on that, there are two main overall timings we talk about. It's basically pre and post. And granted, post-emerge, you have several different options on when you want to spray. But for the pre, it's seed treatment. You could do something in furrow if you would like to. We haven't had great success doing that in soybeans, but maybe you will. The seed treatment's by far the more popular option, though. And I just say the challenge here is, well, quite frankly, with both the foliar and the seed treatment, you got to put it on. You got to spend the money before you even know you're going to have disease. That's one of the most frustrating things for me when it when it comes to fungicides. So when we talk bugs, I I mean, a lot of these insects, you just have to look at, I mean, just think about grasshoppers or aphids or, I mean, anything that you could have in almost any crop. You can go scout, you see a threshold, and you spray. Pretty easy. You know that that treatment is going to make you money. Whereas with the fungicides, you just don't. However, I will say that in a lot of areas, we are seeing that on average, a seed treatment does pay pretty well. I I mean, I often will bring up, okay, for a lot of areas like we're in here in South Dakota, even though we're relatively dry, we still have a lot of disease. I mean, would you even dream about having corn seed that was untreated? Well, now people are talking about super early planting with corn and soybeans, not just the corn. Well, if you're also going to plant soybeans early, you you have that much more risk for disease. So we just encourage you at least consider a seed treatment for soybeans. Soybeans are worth a lot of money. Darren and I were just talking about that between the or, or during our last break here. It's like you look at what that price is. Oh my goodness, the price is so awesome for soybeans. I mean, as a soybean farmer, I love that, but I don't love yield loss. So. Take a look at the seed treatment thing. Our number one piece of advice there is use multiple fungicides. So on our seed, we will either have three or four fungicides, depending on the year and depending on the package we're running with, but three or four fungicides, along with some biologicals to also help overall plant health, which then means better disease control too. Foliar. We really like getting two or three modes of action out there. The biggest choice foliar Well, first of all, I was talking about white mold earlier in the show. If you are worried about white mold, you want to spray it R1, first flower, for sure. you got to get that done. And then spray about every three weeks after that. You can do one or two more treatments after that very first one. That will help you a lot on sclerotinia white mold. Quite frankly, even before flowering, you could use some Cobra at a half rate, and that'll help you a lot. I mean, that's been a big deal for us, and we only do it on spots. So we'll spend the money on Cobra. We'll spend, well, quite frankly, that's only five bucks, so no big deal for half rate. But then we'll spend the money on Endura even. But in both of those cases, we'll only do the 10 or 20% of our farm that's had white mold before. It's usually low grounds and stuff like that. So it's not like we're spending a lot of total dollars. So anyway, if it's white mold, that's one thing. If it's something other than white mold, so just let's say normal diseases. And a lot of people are like, well, I just want to spray my beans once. I don't usually have a lot of disease, but I want some plant health and all that kind of stuff. I'd suggest spraying it the R2 to R3 stage. I like late R2, early R3. So R2 is full flower. R3 is first pod. 
So generally speaking, I'll tell people, hey, once you see the first pod in the field, you're not officially officially technically at R3, but that's the time I would probably roll. That's usually when we've seen the best results. So anyway, the choice then is, are you going to run a three mode of action product and have a strobe in there? And, and by strobe, I mean strobilurin, that'd be like headline, quadrus, gem, a veto. Or are you going to skip that strobe because you don't want as many green stems in the fall? And then you're probably looking at something like Lacento that's got a Trizol and an SDHI only without the strobe. So those are the, those are the two main options, I'd say. A three-motive action with the strobe or a two-motive action product without the strobe. Either way, you're going to have a Trizol and an SDHI in there, and those are the two that are really killing the diseases anyway. The strobe is mainly in there for plant health. Okay, So, soybean diseases. Again, I'll say cultural practices, you got to look at that first. Drainage, fertility, I, I mean, and quite frankly, even maybe a little wider row for, for white mold, a little lower population for white mold. Oh, and don't think when I say lower population, that means do it on all your acres. We usually will tell people lower planting population in your very best ground and a higher population in your worst ground. That usually means more plants, more plant height because of more plants. And now even we, we can sometimes make our bad ground just a little bit better. So it's like the opposite of what we do with corn where we have more population in the best ground, less population in the bad ground. Do the opposite for soybeans. Um, and then... Soybean diseases, seed treatment, I, I, I mean, anybody I'm working with, I just tell them, you have to put a seed treatment on. You have to. It's It pays so well, especially with what we have for commodity prices now. And then foliar, you have to do at least one shot. To me, it's a no-brainer for anybody raising soybeans. But if you got bad disease issues like we have with white mold, then at least in those spots, you need to consider doing an extra one or two treatments beyond that and start earlier and spray later if you've got that white mold or some other bad disease issue. So maybe it's frog eye leaf spot or something else. But anyway, I, 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 I can't say enough what how happy I have been with the whole fungicide thing over the years, but it doesn't always hit. One of the first years when we were running trials, we gained 17 bushels in side-by-side. 17. And had I not been in the combine, I never would have believed it. Our guys later would have said or shown me the yield data and be like, ah, I don't think so. But I visually could see it. So we got a disease and I don't know what it was even because it was right at harvest time. I just, I was in there and then all of a sudden all the beans are gone. I'm like, ah, I can't even figure out what disease we had. But we gained 17 bushels. Well, that was enough to pay for the fungicide for like 10 years for us. So Anyway, it's, that's one of the issues that we have with spraying fungicide. You're, it's preventative, and if a disease were to hit, sometimes it can be super severe. And in one year, you can pay for enough fungicide for 10 years. When we have soybean prices like we do now, that's why I'm much more likely to do some of these things that to me is a little bit of an, an insurance policy. I, we did several things this year on the corn, even taking hail insurance for the first time ever on our farm. But I started running the numbers and I go, oh my goodness, we could have our farm's best year ever. Now, I don't know if it'll quite end up that way, but the point is when you have that much at stake, you got to look at what can you do to protect it sometimes. 
Had commodity prices been cheap, I, I might have rethought some things. But even right now, you can sell new crop 2023 soybeans and, quite frankly, a lot of other crops for pretty darn good money. So that's why I would at least be looking at these things. Could potentially be great investments. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, lots of soil testing questions, but of course it's that time of the year. This one comes from Michael over in Iowa. He said, guys, it, no surprise here, has been exceptionally dry. We're in east-central Iowa. I'm just wondering, how do I compare these soil test results to previous years? I've got super dry soil this year. What, what do you do? Yeah, so we've had this question several times. We'll tell you the same thing we've told everybody else. Number one, keep testing because the results are going to actually be pretty close. What you're going to probably see is the potassium and the soil pH are going to be just a little lower than normal. Well, if soil pH is a little lower than normal, as long as you know that, it's fine. Like on our farm, normally we would start liming at a certain point, maybe if we're at 5859. Well, this year I'd like to lime starting a little bit lower on the pH scale because a 5.8 or a 5.9 could be a 6.2 or a 6.3. And with the potassium, let's say it's 300 parts per million that shows up. Well, maybe in reality you have 350 or 400 parts per million. But on a lot of soil tests, Derek that I look at, quite frankly, people are way short on potassium anyway. So if somebody actually overdoes it on potassium, it's not going to hurt anything. So, nope, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Usually the results will be fairly similar. All right. Thanks for the question. Got another one that came in from Terry over in Northwest Ohio. Terry is struggling to build his K levels, uh, even with poultry litter. He's doing a, a two-year program here. We'll talk about that one coming up right after this. It's planting season. Race against the clock season mistakes can't happen season and no one helps you face it all like john deere putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season see what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground Commodity Classic is the place to discover what's next in agriculture. From top-notch education to the latest ag technology, join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, 
two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Ag PhD Mailbag Time here, and we are uh, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got this from Terry in Northwest Ohio, and I kind of teased it a little bit before the break that he's in a corn-soybean rotation. He said five-year average for corn, 178 including this year's average of a disappointing 171. Uh, that's his, he's disappointed, not me. Um, and three last three years of beans have been an average of 55 bushels. He said, I, I just, I want to get better yields here, but I'm really struggling to try and build things up. I'm putting on a little bit over two tons of poultry litter after every corn crop. And I'd like to put more litter on, but I'm starting to get concerned about the level of zinc that we're building up in the soil. Uh, my corn starter's got some phosphate in it that I'm putting out there, just wondering how much more of that I need to feed. Also, I have spread some potash, like 105 pounds last fall, 158 pounds on a couple of those grid points, two and four. Uh, by the way, the sa soil samples I sent you are the same GPS-marked spots. Oh, good. So you can see from year to year how they've how they've changed. So sure. I want to bring my base saturation K up. I know you guys are going to point that out. Yep. Uh, just wondering where do you start on on a field like this? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's fairly simple here. Your P and K are just too low for the yields that you're looking for. So with the potassium, I, I mean, you're in the hundreds is all. The 100s for parts per million in your base saturation K is less than two. So that that's right there the reason why your bean yields aren't better and, and your phosphorus needs to be a lot higher too. You're running a malic-3 phosphorus test, which is great. We do the same thing. But please understand, a malic-3, it doesn't tell you what's available today. And a lot of people have that misconception. Oh, that's what's available today. No, that's what's available today and part of what's in reserve. We look at the malic-3 test just like we do the strong bray test in that or p2 test in that it's going to be what should come available hopefully during the course of the growing season also so i like my number to be a minimum of 100 parts per million and i'd prefer 200 but I'll, i can i can live with 100 a lot of times and you're down in the 20s 
So your, your phosphorus is, is just too low and your potassium is too low and your zinc, I wouldn't worry about that at all. Your zinc needs to be way higher. So what we found using Malik tests is our yield is maximized when that phosphorus to zinc ratio is somewhere around seven to one. So if let's say we're going to shoot for and maintain year after year, a hundred parts per million on that, that Malik three phosphorus level. Well, if you take 100 divided by 7, I mean, where are you at? Roughly 15, let's call it. So you need 15 parts per million on zinc, and you're at 5. So your your zinc is absolutely not getting too high. So don't worry about that at all. Um, copper looks pretty good. Bor you need more boron. Your boron's less than one part per million. So, I mean, it's just you, you just need a little more fertility. And then uh, the other thing that I would mention there is sulfur. So you, you want to have decent levels of sulfur in your soil. A lot of times I'm shooting for 50 parts per million. And, I mean, in 2020, you were at 10. At least in 2022, most of the tests are around 20. So you're getting better. It's not terrible. But if it's me, I would probably even consider adding a little bit more sulfur. So, yeah. It, oh, and sorry, one more thing, I guess, manganese. In several spots, it's 10 parts per million. I'd like that also to be 30, 50, something like that. It doesn't have to. And here, here's the other thing. Let's start with the most important stuff, which is P and K. Get your P and K levels up. And if you want to, you know, just be supplementing with a little bit of zinc, sulfur, all these other things, whether it's through the litter or commercial fertilizer, I don't care. But when you look at two-year removal. So in other words, the corn and the beans, don't just look at, well, what am I getting now? Look at what your goal is. That's what we've tried to do on our farm. So if I'm getting 250 on corn in a few fields, I'm looking at 300. What would it take to get to 300? And I'm starting to fertilize for 300 because if I don't do that, I'm probably not going to get to 300. So Anyway, start start looking at a little bit higher yield goal and what does that take to remove and then get those nutrients on. And yeah, you have to be a little careful with litter, not because of zinc, but because of salt. So, I, I mean, and I don't know, I didn't see salt on your test at all. So I don't know how much salt you're getting out there, but that'd be the one concern that I would have. And let's see, I don't think I saw that on your soil test either. I didn't see a salt level. Let's see, I was looking to see if I saw a sodium level. Yeah, there's no sodium on your test either. So I would be testing salt. Oh, yeah, here it is. There's one that, that does have salt. One didn't. But anyway, yeah, we do have salt and sodium. They're both really low. So I'd be pushing it a little more if I was you. Don't be afraid. Start pushing. All right, thanks for the question. Uh got this one that came in. Uh, this is from Peter, and he said, guys, I, I'm working with uh, my lab that does my soil analysis, and they sent me a list of what they're running in their Malik 3 tests, and basically it's zinc, sulfur, phosphorus, sodium, manganese, magnesium, potassium, iron, copper, calcium, boron, and aluminum. But they don't mention a lot of the other tests that you run. What are some of the other tests I should be asking them about? They they say I can calculate my CEC and my base saturation. Yes, Is but that will legit? you? No. So just run the test. Uh, and so, yeah, you need CEC. You need base saturation. You need soil pH. Um, you want to have sodium on there. You want to have soluble salts on there. So we just ran through this list. I'm going to say it was either Thursday or Friday also. But, I, I mean, if you look at, so the, uh, it, 
if you want to see the exact test we're running, by the way, you can come to any of our workshops and we'll usually show a soil test. But otherwise, just go to Midwest Labs and look at what their, let's see, what is it? Uh, S3CM. S3CM. So in other words, S3C Malik. And that's what we're running. But yeah, you just want a complete test. So then you have more answers because a lot of times Darren and I see test results come in and it's mostly just NPK, maybe pH. It's like, well, I, I don't have all the answers here. I don't. And and can I calculate um, cation exchange capacity and base saturation? If I have enough information, I can. But sometimes I don't even have enough information to make the calculations. And sodium is one of the things missing often, salts, stuff like that. So yeah, we just, we want a complete test. Because you'd never know what that one thing is going to be that really is your yield limiting factor. Because sometimes we look at tests and we go, oh, wow, okay, we here's the problem. <laughs> so without that, I'd, I don't know. We're kind of guessing. Hey, thanks for the for the question, and thanks for, uh, for checking out our content as well. So it comes from PH. He says, guys, I am... I am into ag PhD. I'm down in the Philippines. Thanks for sharing your knowledge on farming. I like to watch and listen to your programs. Uh, thanks again, and God bless. Hey, thanks, PH. We really appreciate the support. And, if, of course, if you have any questions, radio at agphd.com. All right, uh, I got this one in from Kent. And Kent said, hey, guys, I'm farming in Wyoming, and my dad lives out in Washington, uh, on the on the east side of Washington, he's growing some grass for a pasture, and he pulled soil samples and uh, sent them to me, and we've had some fun uh, going back and forth with those. Uh, he said, first of all, I couldn't find a CEC on there, which I hear you guys talk <laughs> about a lot. Yep. Instead, I found something called an EC, and after some research, it's slightly similar, but still vastly different, not exactly yeah. what we're looking for. Nope. So several questions here. First of all, is this a soil health test, or, or what... What is this exactly? No, it's a soil test, but see, this is kind of standard. Well, I shouldn't say standard, but we commonly see tests where it's some of the stuff, just not all of what we're looking for. So a lot of people, a lot of labs will just run P and K. Now, fortunately, this does have a bunch of the micronutrients, so that part's good. But yeah, we'd like to see what the cation exchange capacity is, and we would like to know the base saturation. I mean, that's that's going to help us quite a bit. But just looking really quick at the soil tests, and I'm sure as you guys have talked about this, you have seen the numbers are fairly low. We also get a little concerned about the DTPA test with manganese levels because sometimes we don't necessarily see what that manganese truly is with the DTPA. It always reads lower and much lower than, than the Malik 3. Malik shows us more what's in the soil. Manganese shows us more what's even, and I kind of view it as partially what's available. All right, and if quickly, that. what do you see on there that says we need more of this to raise better grass? Well, sulfur for one, and I don't know, I mean, you know you have to put nitrogen out. We don't have that. But I'd, I'd put some sulfur out, a little bit of boron. But, yeah, I mean, it looks to me like you need just about everything. Your phosphorus and potassium aren't terrible, though. All right, well, thanks for the question, Kent. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 